Agnes Kurtzels. I'm Whitney Winter. And my name is Claire Horning. Welcome to the Agnology Podcast. Hi, welcome back to this week's podcast. Today, we actually have a special guest with us, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Okay, hello. Um, my name is Hallie Hawkins. I am a senior here at Wayne State, and I am majoring in sport management with a minor in journalism. And I am originally from Spirit Lake, Iowa, and that is where I grew up. So do you have a background in agriculture? Um, I do not. I just actually recently joined the Agricultural Communicators of Tomorrow Club here at Wayne State, and that is really all the experience that I have. So, like, no FFA, 4-H, or anything? Nope, I wasn't involved in anything in high school. Okay, well, this week we're going to be talking about um, National Ag Day, which is coming up on for us on the 23rd, which will be, you know, after... Wednesday. Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. And then we're going to also talk about women in agriculture because it's National uh, Women's Month. Women's History Month. So National Ag Day is, like we said before, um, on the 23rd of March. Basically, it's just so that we can spread awareness about agriculture because it's like ingrained in everyday life and people kind of forget. So actually, the National Ag Day was created by uh, the Agriculture Council of America, which um, is composed of just leaders throughout agriculture and the food and fiber communities just to increase public awareness about agriculture. Um, Let's see. It's been around since 1973. So right now we're all looking at agday.org, which is the website um, dedicated to National Ag Day. (laughs) Um, Right now I'm looking at their education tab. Um, So they list some importance of ag literacy. Um, It includes increased knowledge of ag and nutrition, um, which helps people make better decisions about their diet and healthy habits. Um, They also talk about participating in establishing policies that support the ag industry, um, both in America and abroad. Um, They also talk about all the different employment opportunities people may not know about. There's a whole list that I'm not going to go through because it's a long list. They also talk about educating children from kindergarten to 12th grade about agriculture in a systematic way. Um, We know a lot of schools maybe don't have an ag program at all, so I think that's something important that um, Ag Day brings to light. Um, And then it it also talks about considering careers in ag and also vocational studies. A lot of counselors will push a four-year degree and kind of say trade school is going out of style, which is completely not true. Trade school is definitely needed. Yeah. And the industry is very competitive. Um, you get paid really well for trade school positions, yeah. vocational yeah. jobs. So mm-hmm. I think that's important as well. And then it also um, talks about the history in general and how that influences the current economic, social, and environmental conditions that we have here in America and abroad. Um, so we talk about food production, processing, and then marketing domestic and internationally. So those are all reasons to kind of educate yourself on Ag Day and promote Ag Day for other people. Visit the website, um, call up your friends, talk about it. It's important to know about. It's important to educate about agriculture. It's important that we know what's going on. Also, I'd say the K through 12, kindergarten through 12th grade, also needs to understand how food and fiber products are made. And, like, where their lunch is coming from and how, like, your hamburger came from a cow and the process of that. 
from birth to what you're going to eat for lunch. Yeah, well, even like um, last week when we had um, Dr. Shauna Hearn and Griffin on and just uh, obviously Griffin was from Nebraska, but he still didn't have um, the ag literacy that I would think of, like, because he didn't really understand tractors or hay. And uh, growing up on a farm, I just, you know, common knowledge. Yep. It's ingrained in us from an early age. But that goes back to the school's curriculum. Yeah. I don't think LPS has any type of ag curriculum, whereas more rural schools, that's ingrained in the system. We have a shop. We have an ag teacher. We have an FFA advisor. Whereas those places, it's less common. Yeah. Well, and like we were talking with Hallie before and she said like your FFA program wasn't really, you know, pushed, which is okay. That's absolutely fine. But it's still like amazing to me that in even in these small towns where, you know, you're not necessarily growing up on the farm, but you're growing up in a rural setting and you still maybe don't have the ag literacy that someone that grew up on a farm, which is, you know, understandable at the same time because you're not being exposed to it since, you know, you're able to walk. Yeah, I mean, being from Iowa, you would think that I would have some sort of an experience with agricultural information um, and knowledge, but that just wasn't really the case. You know, growing up in a smaller town, smaller area, it just wasn't really pushed to know about FFA or just agriculture in general. So yeah, coming into college, I had really little to no idea. I mean, obviously I knew like kind of the basics about like where your hamburger came from, where chicken came from, like et cetera. But yeah, I mean, I just didn't really have like an in-depth knowledge about the processing and stuff like that. Well, and that's, uh, like I said before, like the Facebook vegan really puts a negative light on agriculture. And if you have no previous knowledge or no knowledge at all, then you're going into, you know, talking about, like if the topic ever comes up, you're talking about facts that aren't true. Mm -hmm. And it continues to hurt an industry that really needs support because, you know, there's not a lot of us out there. I think only the two percent of the population i think is farms mm-hmm. or farmers and when your everyday life is focused around agriculture whatever it is you're going to eat hopefully at least once a day yeah and you need to know where your food comes from yeah and again there's like all that facebook stuff it's really easy to promote false facts and stuff we saw that with all the election stuff we saw that um in the past with just other things being flagged as untrue and all that but when these like as agnes puts it facebook vegans (laughs) um kind of trash on the ag industry there's not a whole lot of people there to kind of dispute that and there's a lot of people who keep spreading it so that creates a bigger issue where there's no way to kind of refute that or question it it's just kind of absorbed because you have nothing you have nothing in your I guess brain information bank to kind of think that doesn't sound right or that's not what I was taught earlier you just kind of accept that as true because it's I mean that's kind of your natural instinct is to just accept it yeah yeah I think there's a lot of people not on Facebook or like other social media platforms advocating for ag because a lot of them are in the fields doing the work and so that's why we need more people around the United States, especially in like Nebraska, advocating for rural farms and agricultural in general, just because like the farmers are busy in the farm. They don't have a nine to five job like a lot of people do. Well, and I think that's where um, people like when you go out and advocate for agriculture, it's not necessarily the farmers that are going out to do it. It's agriculturalists, which, you know, like us three with the ag comm major. But if you don't have that farm experience behind you, people are less likely to believe you 
anyway if you're going and talking to like other farmers but if you're talking to just the public in general anybody can do that which is fine but again if you don't have something there to back you up like you know good sources or whatever Mm -hmm. then how are you going to convince a bunch of people that what you're saying is true yeah that all goes back to kind of framing the issues though um so it's like you have to know your audience so if you're talking to people who don't know a lot about agriculture you're going to use more simple language try to be easier to understand try to be more relatable whereas with if you're with an audience who's been farmers for five generations you can use the jargon you can use the specific language it's all about relating to your audience um and going back to whitney's point i think that's what national ag day is all about to kind of bring attention to that keep promoting it um say all the good things about agriculture and just advocate for education and being being aware of the benefits of agriculture maybe there are some things we can work on um sustainability being more environmentally friendly those are all good things to think about but mainly the goal of agriculture is to feed the world in a healthy sustainable way and i think ag day really pushes that and makes it well it makes it more like accessible like the information more accessible yes that's thank you agnes (laughs) That's where I was going with that. <laughs> but it, it also makes sure that, you know, um, like their website, they have a bunch of um, like different infographics and uh, information that you can put out there that would help not only promote Ag Week or Ag Day, but also just like, hey, here's some really good websites that you can go to, maybe learn just a little bit, um, just simply learning the different cuts of beef and where it comes from, or even just learning the differences between eggs and like where they come from. And it would be really you know, beneficial to you, especially with um, a lot of the fear-based marketing that's going on right now. And going into a grocery store with that background, you're going to hit a lot better deals than if you were to go in there and just like, well, I heard this was better or I heard this or heard that and actually having, you know, resources that tell you, hey, this is better or this is worse, then you have a better idea. You're a more informed consumer that way. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say that goes back to the healthy choices, Mm because even for those people who maybe can't afford the healthiest fruit, the freshest fruit, because obviously that's more expensive than um, junk food and stuff, you can, you know, buy frozen items that are pretty healthy, but still work for a budget. So I think that kind of educates people who are kind of in a tough spot there with healthy choices that can fit your budget and still maintain health in your family. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think a a good part about the Ag Day um, website is like they do offer those resources because um, like a few years ago, I went to a conference and they were talking about advocating for agriculture. And it was really surprising to see like if you go into an argument with someone and I say argument lightly, I don't mean like, you know, debate, debate. Yeah. And you're going at them aggressively. They're way less likely to listen to you. But if, you know, you relate to them first and you're like, hey, like, I also have kids. I'm obviously not going to feed my kids something that's going to hurt them. I want to help you learn more about agriculture, too. And just hitting it from that standpoint, they're a lot a lot more likely to listen to you, you or at least find, hear you out. Yeah, you got to find a middle ground and then build upon that. And I mean, there's people out there that there's just there's no use talking to them because it's like talking to a brick wall because yeah. their opinions are, you know, solid. But I mean, but, again, there's no harm in trying. At least make the attempt to educate, you right. know, reach a handout. If they don't want to accept that, that's on them. You, but, you did the best you could do. Yes, you put in the effort. Um, you tried to educate. You tried to advocate. And that's really 
all that you can do at the end of the day, but it's a really important thing to do. Well, and you know, you were talking earlier about like vocational schools and stuff. And like, I went to a vocational school. I went to a technical college. I don't know if they would call it a technical college, I guess, but I went to NECC and I got a degree in um, animal science. And some of my classmates now, they just got a two-year degree and went straight into the workforce, but it really helped them because now they have basic understandings of animal science and they grew up on a farm Mm -hmm. but they grew up with horses and cattle well when you we went to college you know we learned about a whole bunch of different species or the reproductive system so they have a better understanding of breeding and that really helps especially if you're going into the market today where you know feedlots and like commercial farms like that where it's it's a pretty competitive field I mean I don't want to say like no one's knocking down the door to get a job but there's a lot of openings that you know If you go to college and just take a couple classes and, you know, get a basic understanding, they're willing to hire you and train you. Even like a welding certificate can take you so far. Welders get paid bank. I mean, they're making like $15 an hour going in. And that's such a beneficial thing because you can fix equipment. You can do fencing. You can do a lot of different stuff with a welding certification. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, you can always get the two-year degree or even just take a couple classes and it'll help you in the long run on a farm Mm -hmm. but even if um agriculture isn't your thing just taking a couple classes that you know give you just a little bit of insight in agriculture because you know we were talking with sean he had little to no idea about how hard it was on a farm which again times have changed it's a lot easier with the equipment we have because technology and the technology because you know you used to go out there and you know harvest however many acres by hand which not a very easy thing to do. <laughs> I don't know how they did it in so short of a season, too. I know. And, like, you only have a certain time frame of harvesting, you know, corn before yep. it drops or mm-hmm. soybeans before it drops, which is absolutely crazy to think people went out there with, you know, just horses. <laughs> but even, you know, just looking at how tractors have progressed in the last five years is crazy. So moving on, um, Hallie, I kind of want to hear from you. Like, what is your interest in agriculture? Yeah, so honestly, I didn't really grow up in um, like in an area where it was really pushed. Like I didn't really know much. I knew that like FFA and like 4-H existed, um, but there wasn't really many people who were like involved in it. Um, so when I came to college and Whitney here reached out to me to be in the agricultural of communicators of tomorrow club um i just kind of was like yeah honestly i don't really know much about agriculture but i'm willing to like expand my knowledge and just help out in any way that i can um so that's kind of like what interested me in it so if ffa and 4-h were kind of pushed more how do you think they could have gone about like promoting that and how do you think that would have been more beneficial for you i think that maybe if they would have just kind of showed us like this is what it's about. This is how it can be utilized on a day-to-day basis, like growing up and like just having that knowledge about this is how it works, um, I think would just be beneficial for really anyone. I mean, just having like that basic knowledge of farming even. I mean, not really many people know about it unless they grew up on a farm. So I think just like changing that knowledge and notion around, well, you don't have to grow up on a farm to know about it mm-hmm. type of stereotype necessarily. So would you um, be in favor of like universal ag education, some type of 
stable curriculum for that across America? Absolutely. I think it's important for people to learn about this and especially just people who really don't have knowledge about it because there's like you guys were talking about earlier, like the media stereotype around it is just like it can be very negative. And so looking at it in a different way, especially coming from people who are knowledge about it can definitely make an impact. Awesome. So again, like we were talking about with Tony Rasson a couple weeks ago, ag education is a good way to also find a career path. So there are a ton of different, um, I guess, clusters, career clusters that you can go into with agriculture um, and just vocational jobs in general. Um, so you can go into business, um, you can go into communications like we are, um, you can go into PR, um, agri-science, the hands-on stuff, parks and rec stuff if you want to be a ranger tourism, ag tourism, packaging, horticulture, forestry, food science, fisheries and wildlife. There is a ton of career opportunities in the ag field and in vocational fields as well. Well, in a lot of those jobs, you wouldn't even think would be connected to agriculture, really, because I know like if you go to work at a bank and excuse me, if you work at a bank in like a smaller town, especially in the Midwest, you're going to probably have to deal with farmers that need a loan. And having a background in agriculture is going to help you connect with that farmer. Even insurance stuff. I know there's insurance companies dedicated to farm insurance. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. in a small town, um, a lot of times insurance and banking are kind of related. So you're going to need to have information on, like, what's going to work best, what policy is going to benefit them the most, so you can really talk to them and make the best plan for them and have a happy client. And agribusiness is a huge thing. We have a major here on campus. Later in our podcast, we'll talk to Dr. Lindsay Doctorman about agribusiness major and like the economic part of agriculture. agriculture. So that's another huge mm-hmm. avenue for the agricultural industry, along with like management and marketing. So like the stock markets um, and just even farm production. Even if you want to be a history major, you can learn about the history of agriculture. Yeah. If you want to be a science major, you can take biology, um, work on food science, um, do some genetic stuff with agriculture. I mean, there is a absolutely anything you can think of. You can somehow pair that with agriculture to make a fruitful career out of that. Or even like the 4-H Extension Office, you can work with them um, developing 4-H programs, like after-school programs through for like K through six, um, at, like summer reading programs. I know I helped with when I internshiped with them, and well, were... even um, just helping farmers. Like a lot of farmers call the extension office to see like what grasses are native yep. or, or what grows best in the area, or you know even if you're gardening, it's uh, if you call your extension agent, extension agent, your extension office, they'll tell you like here's you know you live in this zone, so buy plants and plant them by this date and everything like yep. that. Yep. And last week with Sean, we were talking about green spaces, urban planning. You can plan a community garden. You can um, plan for a park and have like some sort of ag related there. Um, Even energy, renewable energy, wind sources, water sources, all of that good stuff has so much to do with agriculture. Well, even floriculture, like um, buying bouquets of flowers for your significant other or anything like that. You know, you'd be amazed to see how much of that, you know, because they are flower farms. That's where they come from and just something like that. So Hallie, I want to ask a question. If you could have a career in agriculture, what career in agriculture would you choose? That is a really good question. Um, Honestly, since I don't really have a lot of background in it, I would probably choose something with like the writing side um you know and being involved in the act club that has helped because i did get to write for the agriculture magazine Mm 
Um, so that was a really great starting opportunity. Um, but if I did have to choose a career, it'd probably be along the lines of like some marketing or something like so that. Kind of like PR journalism, yeah. marketing type of field. Yeah. Awesome. And That's we awesome. need those. Yeah. There's a, there's a big demand for um, agriculture journalists and for magazines and stuff like that because there's you know we get like five delivered to our house every week. You know. <laughs> but yeah, there's always a need for people that still want to advocate for agriculture on a daily basis like that yeah and still being able to use like you know it doesn't always have to be directed towards agriculture like you can use other elements of what you are learning about not like you guys were saying it's not just directed towards one field yeah it can be you can use it for many different things could you explain what your experience was for writing for the nebraska ffa magazine um, yeah, so I got the opportunity to write the cover story about five of the past state officers who uh, were from Nebraska, and they got to travel to Spain and Portugal for ILSSO on January 3rd through the 15th. And basically what they said was this experience was just to like deepen their knowledge of agriculture from a different perspective. Which is really important, especially coming from a different country like that Mm -hmm. and just seeing how the agriculture differences and technologies are different and and the different practices practices, everything like that yeah and so basically the students got to um they flew out to spain and they spent time there for like five days i think and basically they just like learned about how their farming business kind of works and they got to meet different farmers and learn about how they do um, their things over there and then they traveled to another area for like another five to seven days and kind of did the same thing kind of like talked with businesses and other people to just you know it deepen their knowledge about this not just from an American standpoint but from a different country as well. I also had wrote an article for I believe it was called the blue and gold spotlight yes. which it I don't think it uh, went out like across the state of Nebraska I think it was just for limited like, yeah, yeah it was limited ed- not limited edition but limited, limited publication thank you yep. publication. Okay. but you know just talking with like a previous student in F- ffa and what they're doing now mm-hmm. and it was really interesting just to you know hear from someone that wasn't from northeast nebraska mm-hmm. yeah mine were from um kind of around the area of where whitney's from yeah and so um they kind of talked about what their experiences were like and they had a lot of experience with FFA, 4-H, and they were very involved. And so kind of coming from the opposite side, I didn't really know how to um, interact with them necessarily because I didn't have that experience. So that was a little bit hard, I would say. But um, just hearing them talk about their experience was just incredible. So Yeah, one of the past uh, Nebraska FFA officers was Megan Fair. She grew up in my hometown with me. We graduated from the same class. And so I know what you're coming from. Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess that can lead us into our next point of, um, you know, women in agriculture, which is becoming a bigger thing, especially um, with a change of diversity with um, genders in the workforce of yeah. agriculture. You're seeing more of the predominant women in the field uh, and larger roles and leadership roles. Especially in Nebraska, we've seen um, quite a rise in women taking control of like a farm business. Yeah, and so I have some statistics to share. So I'm getting this from resilience.org. Um, 
So it's this article that I have. It says, while there are more women in agriculture than ever before, that doesn't mean they don't face discrimination. To this day, the industry is very much a boys club. Um, and then it says there are less than 770,000 770, farms with female principal producers. Um, and then over a million males tend to make the two-day decisions. So again, Women's History Month, like Black History Month, is all about addressing the progress we've made, but also how far there is yet to go. So we want to acknowledge the women who have done great things, um, particularly for us, the women who have done great things in agriculture. But we also want to address that maybe there are still some ongoing issues with the whole gender role scenario, with the whole um, men being more like qualified or able than women to do um, jobs in agriculture where that is absolutely not the case and women prove that every day by going out working hard managing farms working on farms um, as well as you know being a mother um, managing maybe the business side of things doing the actual farm work um, women are very involved on the farm do any of you guys have anything to add to that <laughs> Um, well, I guess I have a couple, a statistic too from uh, the 2017 Census of Agriculture. Um, it says about half of the farms in Nebraska uh, have a female producer, and of those farms, 28 are led by the female. So that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive considering, you know, um, where we've been in the past. But even just seeing women becoming more on the, like, from just being on the business side, because I know a lot of farms, the female uh, or the woman role, whatever, was to uh, be the accountant or business manager or anything Handle like that. Handle the books. Handle the books. Mm -hmm. But um, we're seeing them, to, you know, do more of the physical labor outside. And, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it may be, you know, that might not be quite as accurate, especially in Nebraska where, you know, everybody kind of shared um, duties, on, duties the farm, yep. on the farm. Just because there wasn't much out here else to do. <laughs> Yeah, you were born into the family and you did everything else your siblings did. There was no special treatment or, oh, this is a, your brother can do this because he's a guy and you have to do this because you're a female, you know? Yeah. But again, that's not everyone's experience. Yeah, yeah everyone yeah. experiences things differently. Every family is different. Every um, farm is different. Every person is different. So again, some women still have the issue of maybe dad's not letting me do this thing that I really want to do. Um, maybe I'm trying to get this job, but no one's taking me seriously. Mm -hmm. So it's still an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that um, leads us into like, we searched out um, three or three pretty have, important women in agriculture. Yeah, we have three women in particular that we want to talk about today. Um, and the first one we're going to have a great transition to. Um, so Temple Grandin, um, she's a female and she is on the autism spectrum. And she was absolutely not taken seriously when she first tried to um, start her career in agriculture. Um, well, she wasn't even taken seriously when she went to college. Oh, absolutely mm -hmm. not. Um, yeah. There's a lot of great films and books about Temple Grandin. Yeah, the movie about her is really good. I would recommend it. We watched yeah. it. Um, I watched it in one of my high school classes, and it's very, very informative. Yeah, and it, it shows, you know, the process of her... Um, overcoming her challenges and really um, understanding how to work with animals and coming up with all these great systems of um, especially with 
um, cattle, cattle mm-hmm. and the Treatment gate of- system yep. and uh, yeah, the gate systems and the pressure points of cattle so that um, they can work easier and yep. like not making large noises so that they move easier. Yep. So according to the USDA.com, gov um her life experiences with autism influenced her work with animal behaviors in relation to handling um and facility design at farms ranches and slaughter plants which which goes into the gating system and how you know to calmly move cattle without spooking them Mm -hmm. and everything like that now she's an advocate for autism and protecting the rights of animals so they're treated humanely Mm -hmm. um and she, yeah, her work helped develop the double rail, rail restrainer conveyor for livestock handling, a scoring system to ac- assess animal welfare, and curve corrals used to reduce animal stress. Um, and she has a ton of other designs and practices that she came up with um, by using her, I guess some people would call it like a disability, but honestly, she used it to her advantage to be able to kind of understand the animals and then communicate that Mm -hmm. so that they can have an easier time and those animals are treated in a more respected way. Yeah. She's also, I believe, still a teacher. Um, I think she's still, yeah, kind of Colorado. Yeah. Because I know one time she actually came to, I think, my dad's work and he was like, she was she was awesome to listen to. He was really impressed with the presentation that she gave there. So that'd be amazing to be able to see her um, give a uh, uh, a presentation. Yeah, yeah. I um, she I didn't unfortunately be able to go, but she was giving a um, a presentation speech, whatever you want to call it, down at UNL a couple years ago, probably now, but. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go. Um, I can't find... I know it's not Colorado where she was teaching at. She used to teach at um, University of Illinois, Arizona State. But she still does go around and do a lot of, like, performances. Or I don't know if you really want to call them performances, but like talking lectures to... lectures and presentations. Lectures. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. That's what I was trying to think of earlier. A lecture. <laughs> <laughs> she does, yes. like, a lot of webinars still, too, which... Um, just even just watching some of her old videos that she's done like uh, it's amazing to just listen to her and see agriculture from her perspective because um, she just sees it in a different way and she notices things that I would never probably have noticed and it's just interesting to learn from her perspective well and and her experiences too Mm because she used to work at um, I believe a meat a uh, processor probably mm-hmm. oh. yeah but yeah just like uh, she's just a great resource to like learn from but again when she started she was absolutely not taken seriously both because she's a woman and especially because she had autism which it's autism awareness in april i believe is autism awareness month so that's something to think about is even though we have these stereotypes about people that's not a reason to deny them the chance Um, say they don't have the ability because you really don't know that and especially with her she's done so many amazing things that without those opportunities without having overcome those challenges and those kind of acts of sexism discrimination those types of things we wouldn't be nearly as advanced as we are we wouldn't have the systems we have no we wouldn't you know have all these great ideas that came from her which is really kind of an unfortunate thing to think about 
like how many other people have had these great ideas that were denied just because they look a certain way, they act a certain way, they have a certain disability. We're missing out on so much because of that. Well, and she's done so much for the animal welfare side of things that um, even just um, seeing her as a, I don't know, a way to connect uh, agriculturalists or farmers to the uh, consumer, it's really helpful because sometimes, like we've mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's just there's a disconnect between the two because like we grew up with it. It's just common knowledge to us. And sometimes we just expect people who never even have drove past a farm to know what we're talking about. And like Claire mentioned before, too, like that goes back to like using certain wordage and verbiage, because if I went to a cattle convention or whatever and I started saying cows, they would not take me seriously because they would be like, no, you mean cattle. And then steer heifer cow because but if i went into somewhere and i just started saying cattle steers heifers people would look at me like i'm crazy because they don't know that you know wordage and so it would it it just goes a long way to have that connection between the consumer and the producer um who uh what's another person claire um the next person i'm gonna mention is denise o'brien um she is a Iowa farmer and has been for years. She founded um, the Women Food and Ag Network. So um, she she advocates for food justice. She advocates for um, ag policies in the U.S. and abroad. I believe she was um, a part of the Obama administration. She had a her position there was with, oh gosh, Secretary of Ag something. That's, yeah, that sounds correct. Yeah, so yeah. she was had a really big role in that. Um, so really big, influential woman in agriculture. So we could see her actually doing the job on the farm. And then she also kind of did the bigger picture stuff, writing policy, pushing agendas, that kind of thing. So that's really important to not only see women on the level of, doing the job, being on the farm, but also women who will advocate on the bigger platform for bigger issues internationally um, on a big kind of worldview, world stage. So we can see that. We can look up to those women. We can aspire to be like those women. We can show um, young women, little girls that if that's what they're passionate about, they have every right, every opportunity to be able to pursue that stuff. Well, and I think it's important that we you know, uh, talk about the food scarcity that some people go through because, you know, there's a lot of food waste in this country and there's a lot of people that are going days without eating and having someone there that um, is actively, you know, and she's not the only one, obviously, but oh, no, but, but people yeah. going out there and talking about it and making people aware of it. Mm-hmm. So um, the last woman I want to talk about today is Eula Louisa Dixon. Um, So according to um, the state of history, the first woman in ag education, she was one of the first women to really start an ag education program for women. Um, So according to this article, yeah, so it says the story of female student Eula Dixon um, and the large presence of special students in 1903 suggests short courses benefited women's role in agriculture. She was the first um, female student to enroll um, in 
dairying, which was a ag-related short course. And then she also managed her family farm, but um, she was introduced to other methods through that class that she took. Um, And then the summer short course in 1903 admitted over 200 women, um, which was a huge influx. Um, So it kind of um, boosted women's access to ag degrees, ag education, something that would have um, until recently before that time been kind of denied um, or less popular. So she was a really big supporter of that and pushed it and kind of did it herself and encouraged other women to go through that process as well. Speaking about women in the workforce, Hallie, can you explain your experiences being a woman in the workforce and specifically sports since that's your major? Yeah. So um, things that I've kind of learned about in the world of sports is that men are primarily dominant in this um, industry. Yes, industry. And, you know, being a sport management major, obviously it's going along with business. And so um, I'm just trying to be like that advocate and trying to step up and support women in this industry. Um, But yeah, it has lacked, obviously. There hasn't been many. Um, I mean, even in my classes here, I've had like maybe two, maybe four to six girls in a class and the rest are all men. And that's just really shocking to me, especially just like looking back and like women are involved in sports, but they just can't get as high up as men because they just were never allowed. They didn't have like that experience level as a man or the authority level as a man and they just were always underneath them but as a woman I think that you know all four of us in here are definitely just trying to change that stigma around women as head figures yeah and even like the uh, last Super Bowl there was a women referee for the first time in yes. history, if I'm correct. Yes. And so, yeah, she was the first woman to be a, an official in an NFL Super Bowl game. And they actually um, just added another woman who is actually an African-American woman to be an official in the NFL. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, just being in this industry, it's good for all of us to just be an active voice for women. We can step up. We have a voice. And so it's important to just... Well, even, um, I know we mentioned it before a little bit, but like the pay gap between women in different industries, because um, I know on the agriculture side, women are usually um, not thought of to do the more physical labor, which science, you know, like, I don't Mm -hmm. know how that works. But um, just in general, women haven't been paid um, the same amount, which... Again, if you're doing something that's more physical than, um, like, working as an accountant Mm -hmm. and you have the same, like, skill level, like, basis or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to compare them at, obviously you're going to be paid differently because a physical labor is more physical. Yeah. But just seeing the pay gap now in society, which there's always going to be people saying, like, there's no pay gap, but come on. There clearly is. Um, but, um, like this article, like the 2012 census of agriculture said 30% of farmers in the U S like in total are women. And Mm. 
there's gender specific obstacles and that's just yeah. one of them. Yeah. I have a couple of examples of that. Um, so again, the resilience.org article um, says that um, men tend to have a higher pay because a lot of them um, are employed by commercial farms, which bring in more money. Um, and also um, female farmers have often been denied loans um, for farm expenses simply because they are females. Um, and then women also tend to lean toward more environmentally con- conscious, concise practices. Um, and men don't support that. So, um, again, it goes back to gender gap. We're still addressing that. That's a huge issue um, that surrounds, you know, feminism, um, equality of women. Um, so that's something that's not exclusive to especially sports. I know mm-hmm. that's a big issue, especially yeah. with um, women and men's soccer is a great example yeah. of that. Well, and um, like in other obstacles like that maybe aren't in the U.S. specifically, like culturally Mm -hmm. just like women's lack of access to land because a lot of places women can't buy land by themselves um financing financing again Mm -hmm. back with money and stuff Uh, marketing that's a whole different ball game that um women just i don't know if you would say have a haven't reached into it's just that you they haven't gotten into it and then you know training and education in other countries they don't really have access to that. Um, a lot of that is just generational knowledge, which is still a great thing to learn from, but it also helps if you have, you know, scientists um, teaching you how to properly take care of the environment, the soil, everything like that, mm-hmm. um, especially um, for the working conditions worldwide. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to vary completely different from Europe to um, Africa and China and mm-hmm. everything like that. But, um, yeah, they have, like, women have put up with a lot of disadvantages before they even get to work on Mm -hmm. a farm. So just being able to advocate for women in general, Mm -hmm. even, you know, in other industries, again, like you said, in the sports side, um, it's just really important to put your voice out there. Even, like, you don't have to be, you know, the smartest person on the world to put your opinion out there a lot of people that have no clue what's going on put their opinion Mm -hmm. out there but it helps to you know have an education and be Mm -hmm. like "Mm, you guys here's the statistics look at it i'm not lying to you i'm Mm -hmm. not trying to pull one over on you Mm -hmm. yeah and that kind of like goes along with our experience as well you know um like having experience in sport has helped me majorly Like, I don't have to be degraded just because I'm a woman. Like, I know about sports and I know about the business side. And so that has helped me, like, not put me, like, as an underdog to them necessarily. Because I am just as knowledgeable as they are, whether I'm playing the sport or not. I've been involved in other ways to be able to know and to be able to um, lead myself and lead other women towards advocating for just that equality yeah and we have to remember that our experiences we're all cis white females like the equal pay and the wage gap vary by race and ethnicity right so it's gonna be so much different for other women 
than what our experiences are. Right. right. But again, Women's History Month is all about opening ourselves to hear those stories, to hear mm-hmm. the different sides of issues, to hear other people's experiences and kind of relate that to our own lives and notice the differences and how we can help and support other women and how we can all kind of bring ourselves to a higher level, bring ourselves um, to a better place mm-hmm. as women in yep. general. Yeah. And going back to that, um, like Afri- the first women African-American referee, like she, um, I read an article about her just saying that she got to where she is today because she had the experience like growing up as a child and like with her family um, with football and the game, like she didn't play it herself. But she just, like, went to the games, watched her brothers, watched her dad coach. And that was, like, really similar to what I experienced. I didn't play the games, but I went to all of them. And Mm -hmm. I was on the sidelines watching. And that's just kind of, like, how I wanted to get into it. So our experience is, like, different for all of us. But we all want to share our knowledge with people, which is why we're here. Right. And then March 24th is women's equal pay day which is amazing and we all advocate for that with a pay gap uh sorry wage gap and so just having your experiences will affect your pay like agnes said earlier like if you're doing a laborious job compared to a non-laborious job you're going to be paid differently and Mm -hmm. based on your experiences and your qualifications, Absolutely. you're going to be paid differently right. just no matter what your gender is. But we do see where women and men having the same qualities, same everything. If you, if you start with the same base level, the, we're like paid if you're differently. working the exact same job and you have the exact same experiences, which, again, that's very difficult to do. But just having the same basic understanding of whatever you're doing and you're seeing a pay gap. Mm -hmm. Or you're seeing one being hired over the other, Mm -hmm. which is not fair. Um, But the article that I'm reading off of, which is from National Geographic, so an okay source, a pretty good source. But it says, like, abolishing gender-specific barriers in farming would not only empower women to achieve their highest economic potential, but it could also help feed a hungry world. Yeah. Because -hmm. because women are, I don't want to say the only one, but they're more... Um, focus on sustainability and everything like that. Um, giving I would them say they're more open to it is yeah. a good way to put it. Because I know there's a lot of g- males out there that are also beginning to, you know, turn that way and becoming more sustainable. But mm-hmm. it's just, just it's just kind of known and shown to be more popular among women and yeah. more accepted yeah. by women. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. giving w- females access to the same resources and educations would increase food production by women by about 30%, potentially eliminating hunger for 150 million people. That's worldwide, not just in the United States. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. Because um, women do have pretty good um, access here to education mm-hmm. because... Um, you know, uh, a lot of women do go to agriculture um, schools because, like, when I was in animal science, a lot of my class was female, which was great because um, it showed that they were willing to learn different things to get them a foot ahead of people in the ag industry. Well, even, like, Claire, Agnes, and I are all three women with agricultural communications degrees. So that's something to see at well, Wayne State College. Yet. <laughs> well, yes, we're studying for our degree, but yes. We're getting there. Yeah. 
but even seeing like all of these different companies um like pepsico um feed the future um what are some other ones uh care which i don't know if anyone really knows what that is but they all are working in in the u.s and in other countries to help get women equal pay equal access access thank Mm -hmm. you to not only financial but also on the education side so it's really cool to see these big companies also trying to put their effort in and on that note, the um, Business Insider article I'm looking at um, cites the Institute for Women's Policy Research, and they estimate equal pay will not be reached until 2059. Wow. Let that sink in. Yeah, and it's already like 2021. Like, yeah. you would think it would be reached sooner than that. But, I mean, even with like the racial equality, you know, the that segregation stuff was going on in the 60s and it's still going on today not as bad obviously but it's still but it's not it's still it's not even a generation away if you think about it like it's not and when people are like oh it's you know there's ignorant people out there that are like it's not a thing or you know feminism isn't a good movement and it's Mm -hmm. like feminism isn't just about women's rights it's also about men's rights to Mm -hmm. you know have equal opportunity for like having access to their children during a divorce or after a divorce and everything like that gender equality it's not females are better than men yeah gender equality and like agnes was saying it's for men too having access to children having parental rights having um access to the same things that women do having paternity leave also yeah having emotional support and being able Mm -hmm. to you know be seen as sensitive exactly kind of out of the field of toxic masculinity and just more open and accepting in general for everyone yeah which i think is a really good goal same yeah Yeah. Yeah. but yeah just seeing um especially like during the civil rights movement and um in the united states it's still a problem and yeah we're working toward it we're striving and getting better every day hopefully yeah but um, just recognizing it and then helping prevent it or um, overcome the challenges, mm-hmm. it goes a long way. And, like, especially just, like, changing the stigma around what is going on. I mean, especially with the wage gap. I mean, it's important for us to understand that, like, this needs to, like, change. And it should not take that long. I mean, 2059, that's like 38 years from now. 48. Math. math Keep in mind, that's the estimation. So it could very (laughs) well be sooner, but it could very well be longer. Yeah. And also, was that just in the United States or was that like. I believe that was based in the United States, yes. Yeah, I was going to say because obviously other countries have way more major issues. Um, We're pretty progressive here in the U.S., some countries are ahead of us and some countries are couple decades behind yeah. us yet so yeah. um i would say like not only is it important for us to advocate for our own nation and our own problems but we also need to look worldwide and see what we can do to reach out and help other countries or yeah. what we can do as individuals to kind of see those issues know how lucky we are but also kind of know the progress that can be made so is there any questions that you want to ask us hallie i do have a question here for you guys so if you could choose just any other career in agriculture besides communication, what would you do? I would absolutely do 
ag tourism so like dwight on the office has his little um, <laughs> has his like beet farm bed and breakfast yeah i would totally be into that because how cool would it be to like have an airbnb and have like strawberry picking and have like oh, a little farm yeah. and people could like take home the produce and stuff and they could learn about ag and you can have like little kid classes go there and like plant plants it'd be so cute and so it'd be, be so kind of like a nature center more or less but yeah. like on a farm yeah i love that yeah. idea i like the idea i love that i would probably do something close to that like having like a little farm that people could come and pick berries or whatever yeah but then i would probably also have like a, a husbandry side which for people who don't know husbandry is like animal breeding mm-hmm. for like um for the uh i'm gonna say the word wrong i know it niche it's a niche 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 niche. Niche markets Um, okay like uh miniature cattle or miniature Mm. goats or anything like that like you know that's always fun the real question is would your farm hypothetically have a petting zoo Mm. well you would obviously mine would not mine would be entirely plant-based okay Whitney, your turn what what's your other hypothetical career um before i went to college i always thought i was going to be a chef and the thing that broke it i was like i can't do it was the long hours standing in a kitchen so i think i would do something on with the food side like kind of like you so like um a greenhouse um and some you could go straight farm to kitchen or you could do like you could have like cooking classes and show how things go from farm to kitchen and have like a farm and take people through and then have the cooking class after eating all the fresh ingredients show on create (gasps) you could have a tv show on create yes (laughs) yes so i will have definite plan my hypothetical career a farm to table cooking show and business where i teach anyone and everyone about how your food is cultivated or grown if you have livestock or uh, plants or whatever you're doing and then how that from that turns into what you're eating on the plate and how to balance that in a healthy way and sustainability also oh yeah yeah I i would say another job that i was really looking into before like you know finally deciding on a career was veterinary in like vet tech Mm -hmm. but i i couldn't do eight years of college on top of like all the other like internships and shadowing and everything else that they have to do to get into that program and vet school is already a really competitive degree Mm -hmm. but then also like i carry a lot of guilt like if something were to go wrong with an animal and like it wouldn't necessarily be my fault but like if i was the last one to touch that animal then it would be like mm-hmm. my fault it'd be a lot of pressure and it'd be a lot on your yeah. conscience yeah 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 my si- my younger sister actually is down at fort hayes kansas studying veterinary science because she hopes to be oh, one wow. day a uh, uh small animal vet Mm-hmm. And so, because we grew up on a farm with, uh, we started out with dairy goats, then we moved into like commercial rabbits, and we had a couple of fancy rabbits here and there. But and then we got into llamas and alpacas and cow calf operation for a while when we were growing up. But like just her ability to understand math and science amazes me. Cause <laughs> my brain is not wired like that. I am more the language arts. Any last questions for us, Hallie? Anything else you'd like to add? Okay, and for my last question, what was your guys' favorite part about growing up in rural Nebraska? I would say, so I grew up on a farm, so I I would say that. Um, I grew up on a farm, so I would 
say that just having the ability to have animals and uh like my family raises goats so it's always fun to uh you know climb on fences get in trouble with you know dirt and i mean we gotta like ride our bike around on the country roads you didn't really have to worry much about traffic until um probably i don't even remember but like they built like a hog confinement like a couple miles down the road so then we had trucks like speeding past but by that time like we were over our bike phase you know <laughs> but um yeah probably just growing up on a farm and having access to um the, all the animals that i could ever yeah. want i guess um i wanted a horse but i was never allowed to get one so you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and just like um the hospitality like neighborliness mm-hmm. of rural nebraska so and li- growing up on a farm in rural south central ne- nebraska was um being able to own all the livestock i wanted like i said earlier we raised goats llamas alpacas rabbits cats dogs chickens now we have turkeys and etc but just being able to grow up with so many different animals and caring for them is something I think a lot of children lack. Um, the responsibility of caring for another human being or uh, not a human being, another <laughs> <laughs> living being, another living being. <laughs> yeah. And the responsibility behind that is huge. And I learned so much being able to take care of the rabbits. Like, you have to feed and water them. You got to be sure that they don't get any sores on their feet or, you know, anything else. Like, just that. And, like Agnes said, the hospitality of Nebraska. Like, I know it's a problem for me. I say sorry a lot. Or ope. Or, yeah. Ope. We say ope a lot. Yeah. Alrighty, my turn. Um, My favorite thing is, I would say, the closeness of the community. Um, so I lived on a gravel road. I could walk to my friend's house. It was down the road. Um, we could go by, see the horses, see cows, see all that stuff right next to us um, and kind of experience that. Um, so while I didn't grow up on a farm, I still had a lot of those same experiences, interactions with animals, learning about um, agriculture, learning about crops, learning about livestock. Um, I also, um, just a lot of like family history personally is surrounded by livestock. Um, you know, my grandparents, my great grandparents had a farm that we live on today. Um, used to be a dairy farm. Um, and seeing our family members, you know, they have a cornfield around our house. So we get to watch them combine it every year. Um, we get to watch them do the hay bales every year. And we would always sit outside. We could go on tractor rides, just kind of that stuff. As a little kid, it's so much fun to experience, um, especially if you're not necessarily immersed in it. Like these other two girls were still just kind of looking back and seeing it as a really fun, really interesting thing. Um, and also learning just the importance of it is really cool. Mm-hmm. And then again, like these other girl mentioned, and then again, like these other girls mentioned, um, just the closeness of the community in general. Um, everyone has something in common to talk about. We can all talk about the weather, um, how it's affecting agriculture, um, how we can help our neighbors, that kind of thing. Um, we always want to support each other. I think that's really important. And those are kind of my favorite things about growing up, um, especially in rural Nebraska. So, 
I think that's going to wrap up our conversation today. Thank you, Hallie, for talking with us on Ag Knowledge. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was nice to have you. Yep. 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 Thanks for giving your time to us, um, learning about agriculture and telling us your experiences as a sports management major. I think it's really important that we talk about kind of all fields and, you know, really be women supporting women during Women's History Month. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Ag Knowledge. This podcast was created by Agnes Kurtzals, Claire Horning, and Whitney Winter as part of Radio Production Workshop at Wayne State College. Tune in on Thursdays at 6 p.m. for more Ag Knowledge and listen to KWSC 91.9 The Cat on thecat.wsc.edu. Previous episodes can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. New episodes are released on Fridays to these and other platforms. Music is Solo Acoustic Guitar by Jason Shaw, found on Free Music Archive on freemusicarchive.org. The song was edited for the purpose of this podcast.